Good day to you ladies and gentlemen and welcome to Film Focus episode 168, the review for Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. I'm your host, the Hypersonic 55, and I'm glad you decided to join me once again for some film-related discussion. And here we are, it's July, it feels like the year just keeps disappearing on me. You sort of blink once and then two months have gone by and then you're ready for your next major film. And for me, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 was one of the most anticipated films of my life. When that film was initially supposed to come out, I want to say last year, but got delayed by a year, you don't know how many times I was in the cinema watching that trailer whenever it showed up and just kept saying, I want this film now. I hate the fact it's been delayed. Obviously, it means more time for refinement, more time to make the film the best it can be, but at the same time, I wanted it so badly last year. So fast forward a whole year and now you have to ask, was Dead Reckoning Part 1 worth the wait? Well, we'll get into that in a bit, but beforehand, I'll just give you my little mini history with the Mission Impossible franchise, if you're not aware already. So, the Mission Impossible franchise, I wasn't really into until Ghost Protocol came out, because I was obviously aware of the film and then later the TV show. I was aware of how many, you know, different properties had referenced it in certain ways in, you know, parody or, you know, comedic elements, but... It wasn't until Ghost Protocol came out that I became a fan because it was also the live action debut for director Brad Bird, who I had followed for years in the world of animation due to his work on Pixar projects, but also The Iron Giant. So for him to step into live action, it was a really big deal. And for his work to turn out so good as it was, so stylish, so bombastic, so full of energy and having so many of these cool action set pieces but also creating the team ensemble that would primarily continue throughout the rest of this series oh it was so hype and then obviously from there when christopher mcquarrie came on to work with tom cruise on this franchise those two became inseparable inseparable <laughs> as they went on to do the next four entries so you know you'd have rogue nation then fallout Dead Reckoning Part 1 and then Part 2. And yeah, Macquarie and Cruz just seem to be working so well together. Able to take this franchise in more deep, intricate, crazy directions where they found a really interesting balance between being pretty serious but also utilizing humor where necessary, making use of all the characters but also having these crazy elaborate action sequences which everybody is so hyped to see each time and where obviously in this current day and age there are various different franchises trying to give you spectacle in various different shapes whether it be practical cg or like a combination of the two i feel like the mission impossible franchise has done a way to make everything feel as real as possible and film as much of it practically as possible while utilizing cgi in a way that feels right 
and doesn't feel like you're you know distracted by it and dead reckoning oh my god that first trailer when that came out i have never been more hyped i think i'm trying to remember the last trailer that really got me like stupidly excited i want to say hmm maybe it might have been a trailer for the last jedi the first trailer for that was pretty cool um because you know these days there's a lot of trailers that come out and i'm just not wild by them anymore just because there isn't that much style that goes into some of these but yeah just the uh the trailer for dead reckoning part one had me all sorts of excited i didn't even see the trailer for part two until like maybe a month ago when i ended up watching another movie and i was like okay so this is what it looks like because my rule for films is just to watch one trailer if i'm sold by that then i don't need to see any more but yeah i saw the film last night and now i have to share my thoughts with you obviously they're going to be spoiler free I'm going to do my best because there is a lot of intricate moving parts to this movie and it is a long one, but it didn't feel long and I'll explain why when I get into the review. But as per usual, with these reviews, I do my take on the story, characters, presentation and then the overall conclusion. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, let's jump in. Alright, so now it's time to talk about the plot and it can be summed up as the following. In Dead Reckoning Part 2, there is a new elusive superweapon which in the hands of the wrong individuals could spell doom and gloom for the planet. So, business as usual. And as you might be able to tell, with a super weapon of this much power, there are a lot of shady individuals and organizations who are interested in controlling it. So now it's down to Ethan Hunt and his team to get to this super weapon first and secure it and save the day before everything goes to crap. And that is a way for me to summarize this plot without going into the area of spoilers. Man, the story of Dead Reckoning Part 1, good lord, it is really, really good. One of the things I really appreciate about this film is that it feels like it's a culmination of everything that's come before and you really do feel like you're in the end game now where it really does feel like the walls are closing in that the IMF are facing their toughest challenge yet and for a lack of a better term it really does feel like an impossible mission as every step of the way where Ethan and his team are attempting to gain ground and you know try to either secure the weapon or try to get ahead of the bad guys they seem to be just two three maybe even four steps behind this really does feel like a larger than life crazy severe situation which you know you're not quite sure how anyone is going to get out of this alive their stakes are high they are real and feel so much more intense than they have before and one of the things that I've always loved about the Mission Impossible series, especially since we got Ghost Protocol onwards, is that there's this feeling of escalation, that the danger is always there, and it comes in various different flavors, but it always feels intense. It does get you on the edge of your seat, and you're just wondering how the hell are they going to make this work? Sometimes it feels like they're pulling off miracles, and in some cases they are. And Dead Reckoning Part 1 really just feels like such an enthralling engaging adventure and when i saw that runtime initially i thought yo man this is probably gonna feel long but surprisingly enough the pacing of this film was pretty good when the action is on screen everything blitzes by but in addition to that it felt like every scene had value whenever you were getting information or having characters talk it was of value so then when every scene was progressing it just didn't feel like you were, you know, was it twiddling your thumbs or you were bored by what was happening? Everything had purpose, essentially. And I just loved this interesting balance that this film was able to juggle, where you have the severity of 
the bad guy's plan, this super weapon, and the dangers that Ethan Hunt and his team are going through. But you also have these really fun moments of levity that come at just the right points to either, you know, lighten the mood, allow you to breathe, or highlight the ridiculousness of a situation where someone is doing something or is being told to do something that, you know, realistically is just impossible. But they lampshade it in a way that doesn't feel like too on the nose, it just feels regular. And one of the other things I really like about this film is that with this super weapon, there's a lot of parallels to some of the fears that people are facing in real life about certain things, which I can't go into. But if you have, you know, a smart enough brain, you might be able to ascertain what like one of the main elements of the film that the good guys are trying to go up against. It's a very realistic thing that's been done in films before, but the way in which it's done in this film was especially cool. And with Christopher McQuarrie back in the director's chair and also handling the plot, you do feel the consistency with what he's done before in terms of creating these stories that are dark, gritty, intense, full of all of these crazy scenarios that you're not quite sure the team are able to pull off. And it is such an intricate, well-crafted, smart kind of film that also has all the excitement, adventure, thrills and roller coaster based elements that you love from an action film it's like an action thriller adventure of all sorts of proportions and it is just meticulously crafted in a way that feels smart yet accessible and it's crazy that we've had this franchise go on for so long and it's just consistently getting better and maintaining itself because obviously with this being part one of a two-parter towards the end of this franchise there was a lot of chances it might fail but Tom Cruise Christopher McQuarrie and everybody else involved was able to craft a story that felt intense engaging compelling and I was just captivated the whole way through all right now it's time to talk about the characters and I think everybody in this film was pretty damn fat some obviously stand out more so than others but I feel like this cast was super well utilized Everybody had their part to play and we had an interesting mixture of a lot of really talented people who are working in the industry today. Some people that have been around for a while and some people that are closer to the newer end of the spectrum. But everyone has their time to shine and I felt like they were all utilized to great effect. So let's start with Tom Cruise as Ethan Hunt. I love Tom Cruise. What can I say, man? This dude is great. And I know obviously there's still people that poo-poo on him because of his beliefs and some of his like antics online and on TV from years ago. But I'm here to talk about what he brings to this franchise and is always 100% commitment, energy and just being fully engaged with what he's doing, whether it be the physical material or the way he acts. I love Ethan Hunt as a character because I feel like since Rogue Nation onwards, they've really started to dive deeper into his psyche and understand what motivates him, what gets him to do what he does and show how much of a selfless individual he is. He's obviously driven, tenacious and always wants to get the mission done, but he wants to do it in a way where everybody can survive, where his team can survive. and. I really appreciate that this film, much like Rogue Nation and Fallout before it, was able to, again, peel back the layers of Ethan Hunt and show that even though he's really good at what he does, he is human. And even though he does some stuff that is beyond human comprehension at times, 
he does have flaws. He isn't like a machine. He can make mistakes and he cares. He cares. And I just love seeing more of that in this film. And yeah, Tom Cruise, it was just so fun to see him running. He was blitzing it down the road, man. It was so fun. I know I should be saving this for the uh, action segments, but yeah, just this is the most amount of running I've seen from Tom Cruise since maybe probably the third movie because there are definitely specific shots here that remind me of Mission Impossible 3. And when you see them, you'll know what I mean. But it's just like this is probably the most dedicated running we've seen in a film with Tom Cruise for a while now. And it was bloody fab. I also need to highlight other returning members, including Ving Rhames as Luther. Ving Rhames is the only other person in this franchise who has survived all seven of these films. And I feel like this film did a great job of emphasizing the relationship that Luther and Ethan has, especially since Fallout. I feel like this film has allowed their friendship to deepen and really highlight the fact that these guys have been through hell and back on these crazy adventures and still have each other's backs show that they have a genuine affection for each other as friends and it's just really really good to see that and it's just nice to see Ving Rhames have a little bit more significant screen time. Simon Pegg as Benji has been a fun addition to this franchise for a while and he provides a lot of comedic elements but he's also very capable and since Benji got into the field he's been in all sorts of crazy adventures and I really appreciate like what they did with uh, his character in this film. He was, he was just fun. Also, seeing Rebecca Ferguson back as Ilsa. Oh, my God. What can I say? Rebecca Ferguson is amazing. I love her so much. And she has some of these crazy, fun, elaborate action scenes and these cool moments just to do her thing as a spy in various different locations. I love the relationship that she has with Ethan. These guys have a very strong connection, which has obviously blossomed a lot since Rogue Nation. And clearly there's like just awkward and dangerous things about them because they work in different departments. And there's always there always seems to be someone after each of them for various different reasons. It's just great to see Ferguson in the role, just doing her thing. She was fab. Vanessa Kirby returning as Alana. She was wonderful. She was such an interesting and, you know, quirky and just dangerous individual from the last film. But at the time, I wasn't actually aware of who she was. It wasn't until re-watching Fallout recently that I realized that she was the daughter of Vanessa Redgrave's character from the first film. I'm like, this makes so much more sense now. It all clicks. And it's interesting how Kirby's been able to take some of those mannerisms from her mother, but then sort of amplify it to a, a different degree, but also create her own spin on it as this sort of secret arms dealer who is obviously doing a lot of dodgy things, but is looking out for her own interests. And yeah, Kirby was just delightful. She has such an interesting screen presence and there's certain subtle things that she's able to do with her face that I just love. It's really cool. And... Yeah, I think that makes it for the majority of the returning people, besides one other person who I haven't actually mentioned yet, and that's uh, Henry Cerny. Uh, at least I hope I'm saying his name correctly. He's the guy who plays Eugene Kittredge, who we haven't seen since Mission Impossible number one. And I rewatched that film just to refamiliarize myself with that character. But yeah, um, Cerny has aged pretty well. He pretty much looks 
fairly similar to himself from the first movie, obviously aged up a bit, but I like how his eyebrows and eyes are still very defining elements of his face. But it's interesting to see how far he's come since being part of the CIA in the first film and seeing his uh, interesting interactions with Ethan Hunt at this current point in time where they stand and like listen to the differences of their ideals and um, how he factors into this new mission as well. Yeah, certainly was just really fun to watch and I'm glad that they brought him back. It's just another form of continuity in this franchise that just felt right and uh, a nice sort of long-term, you know, is it piece of connective tissue for people who've been watching these films since obviously the 90s. All right, and now we have a bunch of new individuals, so I'm going to try and blast through those. Hayley Atwell as Grace, she was wonderful. Hayley Atwell has been fun in everything I've seen her in since I saw, obviously, Captain America, the first Avenger. And the cool thing about Atwell is that, obviously, she could act pretty well, but she's always been cool at getting stuck in and certain action stuff as well. So to see her jump into this franchise, she was such a good fit. Her character is very smart, elusive, crafty, and that makes her a good uh, connection for Ethan to get involved with. And seeing how her story plays out and how she gets stuck in with all of these crazy shenanigans, she was so good. I was so happy. By the end of the film, like, yep, she belongs in this franchise. A great addition. And then you have Asai Morales as Gabriel, who is the new main bad guy for this film. This guy has such a great screen presence. He is always in control of what's going on. He has this air of confidence, an air of like, you know, is it I don't give a crap because I've already won kind of vibe to him. He's calm, collected, confident, and so controlled in his emotions. Morales has had like such good screen presence with Tom Cruise. They had a good back and forth, and I enjoyed learning more about his character over the course of the film. And Pom Clementif as Paris. Oh, she was so cool, man. I love the silent assassins running around causing chaos. Clementine, at least I hope I'm saying her name correctly, she brought a lot of energy and charisma and just doing a lot more with her face because her character, she has a few lines here and there, but she mostly has to act through her actions and her face and some of the facial expressions she was pulling off, she was crazy, but in a really good way. So I really appreciate that. And my boy, Shia Wingham, man, as Jasper, Shia Wingham, I love seeing him in everything. Ever since Boardwalk Empire, I love to see him whenever he shows up in a film or TV show. He's reliably great. And in this film, they gave him a character who was, uh, you know, had a mission to take care of. And he seems to get into so many crazy scenarios, which are serious, but also comedic at the same time. And they balance it out in a way where he doesn't feel too silly, but not too serious either. And alongside his partner, who is played by uh, Carrie Ilwes, I don't even know how to say his last name, I apologize. But yeah, these two have an interesting adventure going through various set piece and scenario from like point A to point B. They made for a great pairing and they were one of my favorite parts of the film, to be honest. Sorry about that, my laptop is telling me that it's dying. All right, and now it's time to move on to the presentation. And that, of course, is one of the best aspects of this film. The Mission Impossible franchise since Ghost Protocol has made a habit of creating visually stunning material that people will be talking about for years to come. And I feel like that will be the case for Dead Reckoning Part 1. 
we get to go to all these interesting different locations where you get to get a feel for each new country that you're in and see slightly different sides of it that you weren't aware of but within those countries you get all these crazy action set pieces and sequences and scenes that are just like meticulously crafted with so many subtle things where you're just like if this hadn't been that well thought out everything could have gone wrong or this couldn't have been as exciting as it is but yeah man there are some really really good chase sequences on foot and in vehicles that are full of energy tension excitement and just all sorts of chaos where you're just thinking how the hell is anybody going to get out of this or how is this going to get any better or worse and the film finds just subtle interesting and crazy ways just to do what it does and some of these action sequences can get so elaborate and crazy to the point where you're just like how the hell is this still happening or you're just thinking okay i have a moment to breathe but then the film just decides you know what no we're just going to keep going we're just going to keep throwing chaos at you and hope that you're still around to take it all in but yeah just crazy elaborate material really well thought out stuff and obviously you see glimpses of some of these set pieces in the trailers but to actually see them play out in its entirety really good stuff i don't think there's anything in this film that matches some of the chaos that you got to see in fallout or ghost protocol which i still think are the pinnacles of this franchise but i still think that especially some of the chase sequences oh they are so well filmed i just love how the camera is positioned the way in which the editing is sharp tight and doesn't feel too chaotic and you even get like some unique uh, camera angles during some of the action sequences that i will admit at just tiny tiny times because of the way in which they were shot they did feel a little disorienting but considering where they were filming and how they were choosing to do it it was probably the best case scenario and it could have looked a lot shakier than it actually was and yeah they shout out to the people in the sound effects department man punches kicks and all sorts of like other various sound effects from vehicles and um, other things have so much heft and punch to it they just feel very well emphasized and just add a lot more energy to what's happening on screen and gosh the film score i was curious but i was glad to see it confirmed that lorne balf had returned to do the composition for this film i really enjoyed what he did with fallout i thought that was definitely one of the more intense and heavier sounds that the mission impossible franchise has had and i felt like balf doubled down on that and gave us a score that was darker more intense and just a little seedier than what came before it really highlights the severity and looming threat that comes with all of the you know dangerous elements that the imf are facing in this film and i felt like as most film scores do he was able to create something that elevated the action on screen and really left a mark when it was well while it was happening and after it was over so yeah lorne balf did a great job with the film score in my opinion and so now we come to the conclusion. Overall, I thought Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 was a great first half of this two-part film. And luckily, it ends in such a way where it doesn't feel too abrupt. You can tell that it's leading into something else, but not in a way where you feel unsatisfied with what you watched. It was a super compelling, engaging film that I didn't feel the runtime. Everybody in the cast was utilized so well 
And as a fan of this franchise, there was so much to enjoy from literally the first film up until now. There's just this sense of confidence, like it's a well-oiled machine or a really nice clock with so many moving pieces and cogs that are moving in unison to create this really great concophony of joy and happiness. And while it didn't really blow my socks off in the way in which I had hoped, it's still a really damn good film. I would probably rate it right now as my third favorite, just behind Ghost Protocol and Fallout. But yeah, I would say this is definitely on the higher end of the Mission Impossible films, and I am very, very curious to see how they're going to wrap this film up. So now I turn it over to you, ladies and gentlemen. What do you think of Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1? Did it meet, exceed, or fall below your expectations? Whatever your thoughts are, drop them in the comment section below, or hit me up on Twitter where I'm at hypersonic 55 or at filmfocus 55 Check out the podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, and other places where podcasts can be found. Check out the Facebook page where we're Film Focus Podcast. At least I think that's the name I had on there. And uh, yeah, I guess that's it for now. Thank you for listening as always. And until the next time, this is the Hypersonic 55 signing out. Peace. Thank you.